This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We welcome in Elliot Freeman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Uh, Elliot, are you on the? Are you on a walk today? I am. Did you push Merrick under a bus, Mark Hazy? No, he slipped under it. Yeah, sure he did. I'd like to see the. Uh, I'd like to see the security camera. There is no proof, Your Honor. Um, okay, I want. I wanted to get into this this Ovechkin and Crosby thing last night. Both of them had really good nights. Uh, one yep. of them, the the the, Ove- the Ovechkin night in a, in a loss, but Crosby four points, Ovechkin three points, and I, and I posed the question just before you got on here: of where do these guys end up all time in scoring? Like Phil Esposito is at one thousand five hundred ninety points. Crosby is. Uh, 160 behind Ovechkin's 163 behind. Like, are we yeah. talking? And that I would assume that they're playing at least another three more years. And health, of course, yeah. is a factor. Is is that a? Do you think that's a lock for them if they're healthy? 160 points. Yes, I do. Yes. And if they're healthy, there's no reason they don't do it. And then after that, it's like Joe Sakic with 634. Like, I I don't want to say that these guys are going to slow down because they've shown no evidence of that happening. But like, do we appreciate these guys enough and what they've done for the NHL over the past, you know, 15, 16 years? Oh, I I think so. I I don't think there's any question about that. I think the bigger question is going to be, it's kind of when you do your top five lists of greatest players in hockey history, it generally seems to be some combination of Gretzky, Lemieux, or Howe and Maurice Richard, right? Well, where are those two guys going to go? Yeah. I mean, I think I think Rocket Richard for all that he did and yes, he has a trophy named after him, but I I think we can I think we can firmly place at least one of them ahead of Rocket Richard even at this if not point. Both. If not both. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I I 100% agree. After that it gets a little bit difficult for me. I, I think it's a big challenge because I think it, it comes down to history, right? The farther you go in history, um, you, you know, people tend to drop off. And, you know, Gretzky and Lemieux are fresher in people's minds. And I think the debate would be around, I don't think, or I, I think more how. And, you know, saying that would be blasphemy to a lot of people. And... Um, a, a herd of rampaging grandparents is still a herd of rampaging grandparents. It would be tough to handle them. Yeah, the and I, I, I mean, by me saying that Maurice Richard is off the top five list, I, I'm pretty sure I have uh, all of the city of Montreal hating me, but that's fine. Um, okay, on to... Uh, okay, Matt, you can just add them to the list. Yeah, I know, It's a, and it's not a short one. Um, last night, Jesper Bratt scores again, and yep. he's due a contract. And, and I'm, yep. I, I was looking at some comparables last night, and I, I couldn't really find one. Like, it was very difficult. Like, the one I kind of settled on was like, okay, maybe it's Clayton Keller's extension, but I, I think that one didn't age very well, or at least it hasn't so far. And I look at, you know, what Hughes and Heesha are making... And he's got to make less than those two guys. Do you? Why? Th- I think they're both better players. I think they mean more to the team than Jesper Bratt does, but that's not taking away from Jesper Bratt because I think he's a great player. But I think those two guys are the ones that are, are driving the ship right now. And Jesper Bratt is a part of that, sure. But I just don't see a situation where, like, is Jesper Bratt going to okay, get let me, a year? Let, let, me, let me ask you a question. Why do you think, and I'm just curious, like, why do you think that he doesn't drive the team as much as Hughes or Hisher? I think, well, I mean, Hisher is, 
he has the two-way game that Jesper Bratt doesn't have. He's one. Of, he's probably going to win the Selkie Trophy this year. So, so that's part of it on both we're, ends. Of the we're ice. twenty games into the season. I know, okay, I know. I but Jeff, might, I, but you're, we're twenty games in. I have to be as much like Jeff Merrick as humanly possible on this show. So I will fly the Nico Heischer for <laughs> Selkie flag. But I'm, that's good. I do. I do love Jesper Bratt. I I think that Jack Hughes is just the better player and therefore should be paid more. And if and if they believe that Jack Hughes is the better player, then then Jesper Bratt's not going to get paid more than him. I I figure he's probably around seven million dollars a season. I, I think if he keeps this up, I don't know how you're going to keep him down seven million. Like this is the same argument people are having in Vancouver about Paul Horvath and. You know, Vancouver hadn't extended Horvat yet, and now look at what he's doing. And New Jersey and Brat had long-term conversations. They couldn't reach a deal, and now look at where that's going to go. Um, you know, obviously, Brat has to do his part and keep up the production, and I think one of the conversations that people has is, and, and where I would agree with you on, on some level, is the positional situation. Keister's a center. Hughes is a center. Brat is a winger. Centers tend to get paid more than wingers in most situations. Not all, but most. I mean, a guy like Panarin would be an obvious exception. A guy like Patrick Kane would be an exception, and I'm not putting Brat in their class yet. But the one thing that Brat does is he gets points. And, you know, also don't forget, Brat's not playing a lot of this year with either one of those two guys. Yep. So he is not... Um, he is not playing with one of their top two playmaking centers a lot of the time. So, you know, I think that only is another feather in his cap. I think the other thing here that you're discounting um, is that when Hisher and Hughes signed their extensions, there were a lot of RFA years. Yep. Um, you know, Hisher signed his contract right out of his entry level. Hughes, and he's, what, seven times seven? Hughes is eight times eight. He signed it right out of his entry level. Um, you know, Brad is close to, I think he's got one more year before he's non-restricted free agent. So that's different. And that, that's a different animal. It's the, you know, with, with those two other players, you could argue that they weren't going to be paid anywhere close to the max at that point in their careers. Um, Brad, he's a, he's almost a free market player. And for that reason, the numbers tend to go up. And so look, like, Brad gambled on himself. He took a one-year deal. The two sides couldn't agree long-term. And in the short term, it's really paying off. And uh, I think, again, like, I think he's much higher than seven right now, although, you know, you never know until you go out there and negotiate. Just on that, on the whole contract thing, I've been thinking about this a lot because as it pertains to more like a guy like Austin Matthews, but I wonder if more players will will kind of take this this lead do you think we see more short-term deals as the cap starts to creep up for players and then they try and sign the big one maybe, you know, when the if, if the cap is going up as exponentially, maybe not exponentially, but if they if it goes up as much as they think it's going to, do you think yeah. more guys are going to try and take as much in shorter-term deals and then try and maximize how much they make over the course of eight years with, let's say, you know, two three-year deals and a two or two fours or whatever? I think it's possible. I, I think it depends. Number one, I think it depends on how old you are. Um, you know, I, obviously, I think if, if you're a young player, um, you, you know, you might be more inclined to do that than an older player would. 
I, I think the one that's going to be fascinating is going to be Matthews. I, I'm really curious to see the term of his next deal, which I, you know, I think will be in Toronto. Um, but I'm not convinced he's going to sign for term. He might try to hit two more home runs as opposed to one. So I, I think that's going to be really interesting. So that's number one. And the other thing, too, is, you know, uh, it's not easy for everyone to leave money on the table. Like, take a look at it, uh, Matt. Like, let's just say you're offered an eight-year deal, let's say for our, our eight times seven. You know, there's not going to be, and I completely understand it, there are going to be people out there going to look at $56 million and they're going to say, it's tough to turn that down for four years at maybe the same number and, and bet on yourself that you're going to do it again. I mean, some people will do that because they believe in their talent and they're tough. And, I, I like, and I've done that myself on some occasions. But I understand it when some people say, that's not for me. It's not for me to gamble $30 million. And I think it depends on each individual person. Well, we've seen that bite guys in the butt, right? Like, it's it's happened yeah. before. We've seen it in lots of sports. We've seen it in basketball. Sport where people get hurt. Yeah. And if and so the way I kind of look at it is Matthews is the one that kind of makes the most sense as to signing the short-term deal just because I, I think it's just more elite players are, are able to take chances like that, whereas someone who's maybe just below that tier might want to get locked in and say, Hey, I'm going to take the money while I can. At the end of the day, $56 million is a lot of money. I mean, your families don't have to work after that. And I, I've never understood the, the idea of holding out for an extra million just because that's a lot of money. But in their perspective, this is what I'm worth. This is what I should be paid. So the, the Matthews thing, like honestly, and I, and I've, I said this before, I think that Austin Matthews next deal after this one is up is a three-year deal. It might be. It's possible. I mean, I mean, I've certainly said it. I think I don't know that he's going to do long term here, but we'll see. It's going to. I mean, ultimately, it's his decision, right? But I could see the possibility where, like, I think he's generally fearless and uh, does what he thinks and not what other people think. And uh, I kind of, I actually really do like that about him. Um, if anybody would do it, he would be the guy. Um, but you know, I think the other thing to your point, Matt is I do think agents have gone to their clients and said, maybe you should do this. And some clients probably discount it right out of hand, and other clients will probably think about it. And uh, I think it depends, on, like I said, on how old you are and what you, how much you believe in your situation. I wanted to, and Elliot Freeman joining us from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts here on the Jeff Merrick Show. Um, I wanted to ask you about Dylan Strom. Another two assists yeah. last night, 17 points yeah. in 20 games. And the way it ended in Chicago, like he wasn't, he was not tendered and, and he became an unrestricted free agent. I thought for somebody coming off a 22-goal season in a team that's rebuilding, signing Dylan Strom to a one-year deal is probably not the worst idea in the world. But, no, it was great, yeah. And, and for, for him, 25, is he part of maybe the long-term solution here in Washington or with the way things are going right now, might they even entertain the idea of trading him if things continue to go south and try and recoup some assets for him? Well, the, the one thing I, I, I think is this. Like, the Capitals, they aren't going very well right now. I mean, I, I couldn't even believe they got a point out of that game last night. It was 3 nothing, Even though they heavily outshot him, it was something like 50-20. to 20. In a 3 nothing game, you're not expecting it to – you're not expecting to get a point out of it. Um 
you know, it isn't going well for them right now. But one point that Merrick has made that I think is a, a really good and legitimate point is that this is not a team that looks like they want to, like, just basically say, we're not going to try as Ovechkin goes after the goals. Uh, I, I, I find that I, I agree with Jeff on that. As you know, I think a lot of his ideas are generally terrible. Yes, you but do. But on that one, I think he's bang on. Like, if you've got a player that looks like a fit, it's so hard to find good fits in this league. Um, sure, you could probably trade him and get something, and maybe that's what they're going to do. But I, I look at it as if you have a player that seems to be a good fit, and also Washington's a team that's a little bit older. They don't have a ton of great prospects. As you said, Strom is a, is a young player. Um, I, I look at it as, as, why wouldn't you find a way to see if you can keep him? I mean, how many guys are you going to find out there, Matt, who are going to have 17 assists in 20 games? Yeah, it's a, it's a short list, Elliot. And, and that's why I, I wonder, too, how much of this all depends on Nicholas Backstrom and, and his long-term health. I know he's an older player. That's a good question. And, and I wonder just, just how much that plays into it. Um, I did want to ask you about the Blues, and I know you guys talked briefly about this, but this is the oddest route to 8-8 eight and eight that I've ever seen. Win three, lose eight, win five, and Ryan O'Reilly is all of a sudden playing like a man on fire. Like that goal he scored, that backhand goal last night was incredible. And now you look at St. Louis and go, oh, okay, well, Jordan Bennington's playing really well, and, and maybe, maybe it's just one or two pieces here, and they look like a playoff team. I think the improved play of Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo has gone a long way because they really struggled at the beginning of the year. But it's like you said, we're still early in the season, so are we really ready to make any proclamations on the St. Louis Blues at this point? No. Uh, you know, like... First of all, I'm not surprised when O'Reilly because he's a great player. Like, he, he is a, a great, great player. And I think he's got a lot of pride in himself. And uh, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not surprised at all that he would get back on track. He's just that good. I think that they had a weird schedule at the beginning of the year. I think they played, like, a game and then sat for a bunch of days. And I think that screwed them up a little bit. I do think that they have, like, I do think that they've had a bit of a difficult time reestablishing their identity. Um, they used to be a really intimidating team to play against. They don't seem to have that anymore. Like, as Thomas and Cairo, who, as you said, are both good players, um, take over the team, they're not the same kinds of players as the guys they won the Stanley Cup with. And not that there's anything wrong with that, and everybody's different, but I do think it changes your identity. And I believe the Blues have struggled with that a bit. Uh, they've obviously found their feet the last little while. We'll see where it goes. But, you know, one of the things we're seeing across this league right now, Mar Marchese, is look at all the teams going through up and downs, look, the ups and downs. Toronto, like total roller coaster. Uh, New Jersey, after two games, everyone knows they were calling for the coach to be fired. And now they've won 11 in a row. Like, look at some of these teams and how emotional up and down they've been so far. It's like, it's like you know, when you're, you're dating somebody who is high or low and never in the middle, it's enough to drive you crazy. 
Like that's that's what it's been like to follow some of these teams. Well, and that speaks to the parity in the league, right? There's yeah. there's lots of there's lots of good teams. There's lots of teams that are kind of in that mushy middle. Like you have your elite teams, your your Vegas. I think we can put New Jersey in that conversation. Your Boston's. Yeah. And yeah. and then you've got, you know, teams like Seattle who won again last night. They beat the Rangers and, yeah. you know, teams that you expect more from like Pittsburgh who, you know, yeah. they won last night, but they've struggled. And I, and I think like, is, is that what the NHL wants is because I yes. love, I love dynasties. I love yeah, I greatness. Know. And I, I know we've gotten away from that a little bit. Like the Tampa Bay lightning work, uh, um, this era's dynasty winning two cups in a row and then making it to another final. I know they want parity, but how much of that is also what we saw last year where, you know, like a lot of the, like the Eastern conference playoffs were basically decided by January. Yeah, I I agree. Last year was, well, you know, I've always been one of the people who thinks there should be a play in. I've fought for it for years and the commissioner doesn't like it. We've argued about it. He doesn't like it. And the worst thing that happened last year, Matt, was that, that was his argument that, you know, the Islanders and Columbus, who were the 9-10 teams, they were 20 points out of the playoffs. And he doesn't feel that a team in that position should get a chance to knock out somebody who was 20 points better in over an 82-game season. He thinks that's wrong. And last year was the best argument for his case that he could ever get. Now, like, parity, yeah, but if, if you take a look at the last decade, how many different teams have won the Stanley Cup? You know, Pittsburgh won uh, two, Chicago won three. If you go back to 2010, the Kings won two, uh, Tampa won two and got to the finals in another. You know, that's that's four teams that won, what, uh, seven of the last 12 Cups. Now, I, I do think you see surprises every year. Uh, I, I do think, you know, it's like I checked the other day, like a week ago I was looking at it and there were seven teams that uh, were in the playoffs, uh, playoff position that weren't there last year. And I asked the great people at Sportsnet Stats about that, and they told me that happened three times the last decade. So I think what we get is we get turnover in pools, but what we don't get necessarily is turnover in champions. And uh, that's I, I, it's an interesting kind of thing. I think there should be a play-in. I've got my idea on how it should work. But there's there's a guy with a lot of votes who really disagrees with that. Yeah, and uh, actually, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the champions don't change, and that's because everybody's trying to catch them, right? Everybody, well, so you keep your team the same, and then everybody else is like, well, we got to catch them, so we got to do something different. Well, also because they have Hall of Famers in important positions too. Yeah. Like, like that's the thing. Like, um, you know, like we did an interview with Kelly McCrimmon this week on the podcast. And he talked about that he was going to move heaven and earth to get Petrangelo and Eichel because he felt that to win a Stanley Cup, you needed a, a, a number one D and a number one center. And, and they didn't have those. And you need those to win. Like, you know, look at all these teams. Chicago had Duncan Keith and, well, Kane and Taze. And, and, and they had great support players, too, like Hosa. Um, you know, Tampa has... You know, Hedman, Point, Stamkos, Kucherov. Like, all those guys are going to the Hall of Fame. The Kings had Doughty and Kopitar. They're going to the Hall of Fame. Like, it's uh, – you've you got to have Hall of Famers to win. And 
and, and also in certain spots. And obviously, you should mention Vasilevsky too. He's going to the Hall of Fame, also. Yeah. I, I, I just think there's a recipe for success in this league, and if you don't have it, like it, it's like if you two of the wildest, like the two of the wildest Stanley Cups we've ever, I think we've ever seen, in terms of who won them. You know, when Pittsburgh beat Nashville, I think they're the only team that's ever won the Stanley Cup that didn't have a single player ever get a Norris Trophy vote who was who was playing for them in the final. Hmm. Like it just it doesn't it doesn't happen in this list. Yeah, I, I did want to ask one thing, and we got a couple minutes here. This is more of a an about your job thing, and I don't know how much okay. you've even thought about this, but so everybody, this this whole talk about Twitter going down and Elon Musk is ruining the world because he's taking over Twitter. Have you thought about how that changes your job and how you report things and where you would go to report them if, in fact, it wasn't around anymore? No, I I really haven't. Um, uh, I mean, I I figure out something, I'm sure. Like, one of the things I'm sure that, like, we've got really smart people who work in social here at Sportsnet. I'm sure they would come to tell me, like, go here. I, I took one quick look at this Mastodon thing, and I was like, this is too hard to figure out. I, I, I'm not doing this. I have an Instagram page. Um, you know, I, I could also probably use the Sportsnet website, um, you know, push alerts and things like that. Like, like part of me, like, like the thing to me last night as I was working in Jersey, Toronto, like there's a lot of hysteria out there. Matt, who knows what's true and what isn't? Oh, 100%. A, I mean, first of all, he's a chaos merchant. I think he loves it. Number two, people out there, especially the people who work at his company who are quitting, they all want him to fail. So they're leaking stories that make him look bad. And, you know, it's, it's hard to tell what the truth is. Um, you know, Twitter might fall apart, but we don't know that yet. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I'm sure when the time comes, I mean, it was, it was, it was hilarious. Like, I was getting sent tweets about me last night. Like, one person... I made a Tinder profile for me, and <laughs> one person thanked me for buying them breast implants. And like, I'm afraid to like some of these because, like, I don't know, I don't want to violate the the Rogers uh, company social media policy. But like, I, like, people were sending me all this stuff, and I was laughing my head off. I, I was like, this is this is hilarious stuff. <laughs> my wife was looking at it and like. Like, what's going on out there? But, you know, and Matt, I, I assume it'll all work out, and and I'll figure it out when the time comes. Oh, you just got to break news on the Jeff Merrick show. Sucks for, sucks for everyone that. else. Sucks for everyone else. With that. All right. Yeah. All right, Elliot. Well, enjoy the rest of your walk. Thankfully, we don't have as much snow as Buffalo. Uh, actually, but quickly, yeah. have you heard anything about that game potentially being changed tomorrow? Because I heard that the Bills may not be traveling to Detroit for their game on Sunday, and I would assume that there is a chance, at least, that Buffalo may not be able to get to Toronto tomorrow. No, no. The last I heard today, um, the Sabres were still planning on uh, – on uh, busting up here, and they were optimistic about the possibility of doing it. So, okay. if that changed, if that changed, it changed while we were talking. But that's the last I heard. Okay. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your walk, Elliot. You are free. We'll talk to you on Monday. Okay. All right, Mark Casey. See you later. Thanks, buddy. There he goes, Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada, and Thirty Two Thoughts.